Okay, I want to read that last verse again, just in case your eyes glazed over, which we've all been trained to do when we read the First Testament, right? Just a little bit. So I'm going to read that one again. He said, if only all of God's people were prophets, if only God would bestow the Spirit on them all. In case you missed it, while David was reading, this was Moses' response to Joshua when he told on a couple of people for not following the instructions that had been laid out for them. They did not do what they were told. They did not complete the prescriptions that had been laid out for them. For whatever reason, they were not even where they were supposed to be. And yet, spirit not only was with them, Spirit compelled them to speak. The text says they prophesied. And so Joshua, who was the leader in training, runs up to Moses, the leader, his mentor, and he tattles. <laughs> and everyone probably thought that Moses was going to get on to those two who did not do what they were supposed to do, but instead he corrects Joshua. And he says, if only all of God's people were prophets, if only God would bestow the Spirit on them all. And this moment is not so much Moses wishing something would happen as much as it is Moses saying to Joshua and by extension to us readers, hey, don't be a hater. Don't be a barrier. Don't get in the way of God's spirit moving in others. Don't be that person. Don't be that person who places your own rigid, limit, limited assumptions about God onto others. Don't be somebody whose jealousy or propensity to compare or whose need for power gets in the way of somebody else's Imago Dei. Lift up the people around you who are in that moment reflecting God's spirit within them. Affirm them, celebrate them, see them. We have this opportunity today. In fact, to affirm, to celebrate, and to see. You've probably noticed it's Baptism Sunday. Um, you may have come for that reason alone or um, to see these girls today, or perhaps you didn't come for that reason at all. But actually, today's ritual is very much a collective ritual. It's not meant to be solely just about these three girls. Yes, we are meant to especially affirm, celebrate, and see Jillian, Ellis, and Cosette today, but this day really is about all of us. It's about the value of faith community and our journeying together. So I love that this year, our Baptism Sunday aligns with Pentecost Sunday. If you aren't familiar with Pentecost, you've heard a little bit about it by now today, but it's a Christian holy, holy day that happens every year, 50 days after Easter. On this day, we tell the story of when the Holy Spirit descended on the early followers of Jesus, marking the beginning of the church. So, the Christian movement began with all people, no exceptions, together becoming aware of spirit in them and bearing witness to spirit in others. 
For those of us who identify with this tradition, these are our roots. This moment when all the people, no matter their culture, background, socioeconomic status, age, gender, and so on, were filled with spirit. And so Pentecost Sunday is our reminder that all people are filled with spirit and, the dis- at, and that despite society's labels or the constant barriers it places in front of us, we are all spirit-filled people and we all have our spirit-filled prophet moments from time to time. Pentecost is a celebration and it's a reminder to not get in the way of that for other people. It's both our own empowerment and it's our nudge to stop with all the faith micromanaging. In all our readings today, this is emphasized in our New Testament reading, which Brittany read at the start of the service, the prophet Joel is quoted. The word prophet and prophesying is used a lot in both that reading and in our reading from Numbers that David just read. What does it mean to be a prophet or to prophesy? I think to be a prophet means to be a truth teller. I think to prophesy means to engage in truth telling. I think it means that a spirit-filled person, which is to say a person, is embodying their imago Dei, living their faith out loud in a way that lends itself to our common good purpose of bringing heaven to earth now. So Moses said, if only all of God's people were prophets, if only God would bestow the spirit on them all, and indeed God has. There's another verse from our set of readings today on the church calendar. I put it in your guide. It's the quote at the top. It says, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. That's from 1 Corinthians. So we are truth-telling, spirit-filled people. Okay, but why? To what end? Here's a hint, and it said it in the text. It's not just for our own empowerment or betterment. It's not just for our own inner work assignments. It's also for the common good. In fact, to choose to follow the way of Jesus is to commit to keeping the common good in mind throughout your life. As followers of the way of Christ, what we will observe when we read the sacred texts that tell his story is this. Jesus surrounded himself with the most unexpected people, the most unpopular people, the most unliked people, the most marginalized people. These are the people who Jesus ministered to, who he healed, and who he called his closest friends. So then, what is our collective assignment if we choose to follow his way? Hmm. When we look at our reading from Acts that tells the story of the early church, we actually see a whole list given to us as proof because the emphasis is on the Spirit filling all people. And if that's not clear enough, a list is given of the most unexpected people, uh, such as the young, the old, the women. And then, if that's not enough, the text goes on to explicitly say, even on my most uh, significant of my people, I will pour out my spirit and they will prophesy. Why is it significant or relevant that the most unlikely are stressed in this text? 
Could it be because the early church, the original Christians or little Christs, were interested in mirroring the way of Jesus? Jesus, who most often put himself around the most unlikely people. So to bring it back to us, when we say we are following in the way of Jesus, we are keeping with this long-held tradition of promising to keep the common good in mind. Not just our own good, not just our families and friends' own good, but the common good, which always includes those outside our circles and which always includes those most overlooked. This is what it means to bring heaven on earth or to be the hands and feet of Christ. This morning, we are baptizing three who are included on that list of those most often overlooked, the young, And we also know that Jesus told us if we are to be like anyone, we should be like little children. And so here we are today following the way of Jesus by learning from the way of children via this ritual of baptism. Many of you who know me know I'm a big fan of healing and affirming rituals. In fact, on their four-month-long baptism journey that uh, Gianna talked about, in which they took thoughtful classes from church leaders and pastors, I led the one on ritual, and I told them ritual is but one tool in our spiritual toolboxes, and baptism is but one ritual. It's an ancient tradition that's been done in so many ways and in so many traditions, and we all carry the realities of this and the baggage of it and our own cognitive constructions of what baptism is. We probably all brought all this in the room this morning, and we've likely assigned our own assumptions onto what baptism is. So let me just bring some clarity to what it looks like in our community and the meaning behind it a little bit. We, hopefully by now, already know that God's Spirit is poured out onto all people, that Imago Dei is already within us, meaning each of us were made in the image of God. We were made inherently good. God dwells within us. And so here, baptism isn't tied to a doctrine of salvation. Side note, salvation here actually means a whole lot more to us for this reason. In my opinion, this concept is richer and fuller when we thoughtfully untangle it from checklists and sinners' prayers and baptism requirements. Salvation means more to us, not less, because of this. But baptism isn't tied to salvation in this community's ritual. And yet there's something to be said about a conscious choice to follow a particular way. Jillian and Ellis and Cosette have chosen to follow the way of Jesus. We believe the way of Jesus is a healthy way, a helpful way, and a loving way. And we teach our kids theology in an image of God that is healthy and helpful and loving. And we also understand that this way is is the way of our tradition. Um, Even as we understand and respect and hold space for the many traditions out there in which God is revealed, we are not threatened or afraid of that. Rather, we simply believe in the value and beauty of our particular tradition and our particular faith community. Jillian, Ellis, and Cosette have found meaning in our tradition and in our community. Most importantly, they have 
followed their own curiosity and their own sense of wonder, and they have found a desire to step into a deeper relationship with a loving God. And so they've made a conscious choice to step into a healthy and helpful and loving faith journey. And we don't take their choice lightly here. And so we have this ritual, this moment of shared intention and affirmation and celebration where we say, we see your conscious choice and we honor the various seasons and cycles that will flow out of your choice, however they may present themselves. We honor the various deaths and resurrections of faith that will occur on your journey. We hold space for all of it with you. We honor whatever your journey may look like and wherever it may take you. And we acknowledge that just like all of us in each one of these girls lives the very spirit of God that helps guide them to make healthy and helpful and loving choices and to live healthy and helpful and loving lives. We walk alongside them, support them, and celebrate them as their community. But most importantly, we celebrate the image of God already living within them. Today is a reminder that this same spirit lives within all of us while also honoring the particular journey that they've been on for the last several months. I want to acknowledge that we all have different timelines because we all have different identities and different experiences. But today, on Pentecost Sunday and Baptism Sunday, we get to share in this small moment of collective alignment where despite our age gaps, identities, ideological and theological differences, we are reminded of our shared experience as image bearers. In this way, we see each other. And because we see each other, we're able to understand each other and lift each other up. This is what happened on Pentecost Sunday in our text. Everyone was different from different backgrounds, cultures, ages, genders, so on, and yet everyone understood each other somehow. Even though everyone was speaking different languages, they still had an understanding of one another. Now I know the language thing is the miracle we like to talk about, but what I can't get over is the fact that these people with all these endless differences came together in the first place. And I think perhaps their understanding began not with a language barrier overcome, but with a seeing that went deeper simply by being together. Today we come together for a seeing that goes deeper. This past Tuesday, nearly a, a dozen of us in here went downtown uh, with other kindred spirit churches for a workshop led by Reverend Kendra Frazier entitled The Gift and Curse of Belonging, A Look at Religious Trauma. So many of us have been harmed by religion and religious people. And here we are in this community anyway. Week in, week out, we're trying to find healing, and we're trying to offer our kids healthy, helpful, and loving theology in place of whatever we might have received that harmed us. And so on Tuesday, Kendra led us through embodied practices that helped us understand the importance of presence as a healing antidote to religious trauma. She helped us see that the path to belonging often has to do with a deeper seeing of one another. She introduced us to Saubona, 
an African greeting that literally means I see you. I see you and by seeing you, I bring you into being, she told us. I see you and by seeing you, I bring you into being. That stuck with me. This is a Zulu greeting that forms an agreement to affirm the mutual potential and obligation that's present in a given moment. At its deepest level, this seeing is essential to human freedom and belonging. This kind of existing is heaven on earth work, if you ask me. It begins within us, and it begins with us. And it begins with moments like today, where we collectively agree to step into a deeper seeing, just like those ancient believers did all those years ago, what we now call Pentecost Sunday. So in a moment, we're going to go outside together and bear witness to a baptism ritual in which we'll have the opportunity to extend the sacred greeting of Sawubona to these children. Simply by being present today, we are saying to them, we see you. And by seeing you, dear children, we bring you into deeper being.